So right at the beginning of Jesus' career, um, as told by John, uh, Jesus is at a wedding, and they run out of wine. Um, I had a professor as an undergraduate who um, said, uh, he, I think he was joking, I, maybe. It was hard to tell with this guy. But uh, he, he tried to explain that Mary came to Jesus saying, hey, they've run out of wine, as if to say, look, they're out of wine and you brought 12 friends that weren't on the guest list. Um, you do the math. And when, uh, when Mary comes to Jesus and says that, his response is, it's not my time yet. It's not my hour. And then ends up being a running theme. Uh, some authors, uh, gospel writers, pick up on it a little bit more than others. Uh, Mark, notoriously, is all about highlighting the many times that Jesus tried to keep quiet the people who knew who he was. For example, when casting out a demon, they would say, like, hey, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus would immediately silence him. Or when Jesus performed a miracle, healing somebody, he would insist that they tell nobody. Now, the fact that these stories persist mean that they didn't listen, but that's a whole other thing. Um, Again, in John, a, a crowd in a village gets really excited about what this guy Jesus is doing, and they kind of connect the dots that if they have a guy here who's performing these kinds of miracles and teaching these kinds of things, he could be the one that we've been waiting for. And they get really excited, and their intention is to grab Jesus and drag him to Jerusalem and make him king. Like you can force somebody to be your king or something like that. And yet Jesus gets out of there really fast because his hour hasn't come. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but in this reading, when Jesus sends his disciples, go find some random dude in, the, in Jerusalem, which I would assume he knows who he is. Um, he says, tell him... My teacher says his hour is come. This is it. This is the big moment. The moment that not just Jesus, but I think his disciples too, have been waiting for. Only they probably didn't really understand what was going to happen. Um, I don't know about you, but have you found yourself in those places of anticipation, of being excited, of fear, uh, maybe a mix of both as you take like really big next steps or anticipate those next steps? Um, immediately what jumps to mind is, is uh, for example, a wedding. You set a date, loads of preparation and tears and blood and sweat and all of that go into planning this thing, and then it finally arrives and just, whoa, <laughs> something big is about to happen. Or uh, you're expecting, and 
The, the doctor gives that the day of, of when he expects that he'll give birth or uh, if he's inducing or whatever. And there's that, that scary anticipation, expectation, all of that kind of coming together into one. Well, I, I think this is, this is part... Bless you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a long day and I should have ignored that. <laughs> ADHD. All right. Uh, where was I? Take medication for that. Um, I, I think this is this is part of what's happening in the moment when Jesus is eating with his disciples. But that's not the only thing. If you haven't ever had this experience, I'm willing to bet it's, it's easy to imagine it. Have you ever gone to dinner, spent some time with some people, um, or maybe you didn't know them all that well, and you find yourself eating with them, and maybe their extended family, or old friends, or something like that, where you realize there's a lot going on under the surface here. Some of it could be quite good. This family is very intimate, and they love each other, and that's great. Or it can be, why is everyone's teeth clenched? I think there's an element here that as outsiders, we see a few details of this final supper, this final dinner with Jesus and his disciples, and there's a lot converging in this moment. One of them being this somber, heavy awareness that Jesus' hour has come. He has been saying for three years, it's not yet, and now it is. And Jesus is the only person who knows what that means. That's, that's heavy. And think about this. The whole time they are sitting there eating, Judas knows the deal that he has made. So you can imagine his conscience scratching at him clawing at him. Or maybe he's just sitting there hoping Jesus doesn't look at him. And then Jesus, of course, lets the proverbial cat out of the bag. Uh, We have somebody in this room, in this circle, eating at this table who's going to stab me in the back. And I get the sense that that does not dissolve any tension. Nobody was wondering about that until Jesus said it. And so now they're going, ooh, ooh. I have no idea why Judas even says, is it me? It's like, what do you think? You just had that conversation with the chief priest. And then Jesus says, yeah, you've said so. And then Jesus takes yet another turn. Again, this is all about multiple stories, multiple threads converging onto this one point. Because Almost out of the blue, he takes bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. Now, it's, it's not clear where he gets that idea. Um, the bread as a symbol of, of food and nourishment and, and all of that is kind of runs through the Hebrew Bible to an extent, but there's, there's no clear reference. Jesus does not seem, he almost seems to be inventing this idea out of thin air. 
But even if we don't have the context for what Jesus means by that, his intention is clear. I mean, if, if we were eating and I gave you my roast beef and said, this is my body torn up for you, it would be pretty clear what I mean by that. And then Jesus takes the cup. Wine. That's even clearer. This blood. This is, he says, this is my blood shed for you. Another thread comes into the story. See, we, we learn from Luke that Peter and John are sent to prepare the Passover. This means that they have to go to the temple to do that. And they are present for when the priest slaughters the lamb, catches the blood in a cup to remember that it is the blood of the lamb marking the people of God, allowing the angel of death to pass over them. So you have Judas sinking into the background. You have everybody in the room wondering, what does this mean that his hour has now come? We've been waiting for this for so long. And now you have Peter and John as Jesus passes the cup going, we just saw a few hours ago the lifeblood of the lamb that we are eating draining into a cup. And now our teacher hands us a cup and says, this is my blood. There's a lot happening in that moment. And we could spend a lot of time going through and parsing and analyzing all of those moments. But I think the beauty of, of this moment of, of Maundy Thursday and the story of Jesus having his final meal before literally all hell breaks loose is about sitting in that tension of the stories that come together and converge on, in this one moment. Now I will end with this thought. Jesus gives his body and his blood, the bread and the wine, while Judas is still there. Jesus still loves him. He has some harsh words for him. It's clear that Judas has, at this point, crossed a line that cannot be uncrossed. But in a weird way, Jesus is still for him. And if we take that seriously as Christians, believing that it is our sin, our brokenness, our, our humanity in the worst sense that puts Jesus on that cross, then the parallel is clear. Jesus is still for us. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able. And now at this time, we will confess our common faith in the ancient words of the Nicene Creed. Together we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, 
light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now let us pray for ourselves, the church around the world, and all people in their various needs. For ourselves, that we treasure the promises of God made to his people in the past and to us today. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the church around the world, that it be free to gather around word and sacrament and rejoice in every opportunity to spread the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they seek the Lord's help in resisting temptation and in their lives of faith and love, let us pray to the Lord. For people in positions of power, locally, nationally, and among the nations of the world, that God give them wisdom and compassion, ordering society within their borders and seeking peace across them, let us pray to the Lord. For all who call out to God, all in danger from natural disasters and man-made oppression, those in crises of health and chronic disabilities, and many who languish in poverty and isolation, that God would hear their spoken prayers and unspoken sighs, granting them relief, restoration, and enjoyment of life. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who come to the Lord's table this day, seeking peace in their hearts, that God's mercy and love would enable them to rejoice in the forgiveness, life, and salvation that our gracious Savior offers here. Let us pray to the Lord. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy for the sake of the bitter sufferings, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.